Tecovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity, and I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tecovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade, handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tacovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane, I'm a mother of three, living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me in the journey to think more and do with less. Joining me today is author Katherine Perlman for a conversation about first phones and digital safety. In her new book, First Phone, Katherine Perlman, licensed clinical social worker and parenting expert, introduces eight to 12 year olds and their parents to the concepts of digital safety, privacy, social media, cyberbullying, phone etiquette, and how to set appropriate boundaries to establish a healthy digital relationship in an increasingly complicated online world. I hope this conversation gives parents peace of mind, tools to engage with their children, and encouragement for their children as they internalize digital safety. But before we get to the conversation, if you have not left a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast, pause the episode and do so. It takes about 30 seconds and it's a huge help to help others find the Minimalist Moms podcast. As for my minimalist moment slash resource this week, I want to share a book with you that I'm about halfway through. The book is Outdoor Kids in an Inside World by author Stephen Ranella. Stephen Ranella is an American outdoorsman, writer, and television personality, and he's known for translating the hunting and fishing lifestyle to a wide variety of audiences. This book is all about getting your family out of the house and radically engaged with nature. As I said, I'm about halfway through the book so far, and one of my favorite things is the way that Stephen writes. And I really appreciate how genuine he is and the things that he believes and actually enacts in his own personal life. He's not just telling you to go do these things. He lives this lifestyle with his children and prioritizes it and prioritizes nature as imperative in his life. If you follow my personal social media account, you can see how much this book speaks to my heart. I love taking my kids out in nature. It's one of the main reasons I decided to homeschool was because I wanted to make sure we could spend as much time outside as possible. It's something that I want to really focus on in regards to intentional living, and I just appreciate authors that are trying to get the idea of getting our kids outside, being comfortable being outside, being comfortable getting dirty. So I appreciate this book by Stephen Ranella. Again, the book is Outdoor Kids in an Inside World. All right, let's get into this conversation with Katherine Perlman. Hi, Catherine. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. 
Absolutely. Today we're going to talk about, I actually wasn't sure what I wanted to talk to you about because you have such a wide variety of topics you discuss in regards to phone, phone safety, um, us imposing limits, but also not imposing limits on our children. So I felt like there were so many different directions we could go. So before we get there, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself and tell me, how did you get into this type of work? Sure. So I'm Catherine Perlman. I am a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I've been working with children and families for about 25 years, and I worked in agencies for a long time. And then when I started having kids and started seeing many people around me having trouble with very everyday problems that are solvable, like parenting is so hard, but there are some things that make it hard that we can actually improve upon. So um, I started a company called The Family Coach, uh, where I go into people's homes and help them with parenting issues. And over the years, I've been in hundreds of families' homes, and you tend to see the same thing. We're all kind of struggling with the same things. And as a way of getting more clients and advertising, I started writing. And then it turned into, I just really like writing about these issues and parenting. And also, you know, when I go into someone's home, I can only have one person at a time. But when I write about it, many people can read it. It's much more accessible for people who can't afford, you know, an individual service and so on. So my first book basically came out of 10 years of practice with working with families. And the second one came out of really the last few years of seeing how technology is really ubiquitous and the pandemic just raised the bar on that and, Um, and how families are struggling. Even like the most conscientious parents are struggling with managing tech and screen time um, and access with their families. So that's kind of how I got into it. And I'm very practical. I really like to give parents like a couple of tips they can go and do as opposed to like some big theoretical construct. Definitely. I think that's what I want on this podcast is how can we apply it now? Because I appreciate metaphor, but sometimes I might miss the metaphor if I'm listening to someone's podcast. I'm like, wait, why does this person get it? And I don't know how to apply that. So I'm all about practical tips. I want to talk about first, one of the things you say is don't track your kids and here's what to do instead. That seems a little counterintuitive to what I may have thought because I'm like, no, I'm the parent and I set the boundaries, but I guess this can backfire. I'm, I'm, I feel like that's what you're trying to say here. Yeah. I mean, first of all, nobody likes to be tracked. So, you know, I'm all about preserving the relationship between parent and child. And really we're not, we're not um, tracking our 10 year olds per se. It's really our teenagers that are the issue. Um, And so that's the quickest way to get in the way of a positive relationship with your teenagers. So that's my first reason is, you know, what's most important here. And also let's build a foundation where we trust our kids, where kids can come to us if they make a mistake, if they have a problem or if they run into trouble, they're feeling comfortable letting us know so that we don't have to track where they are all the time. It also like really interrupts conversation because you already know where your kid was, you know, and it's almost like if you've ever been to your high school reunion after Facebook has been invented, it's like you go and see all these people you already know everything about them. There's nothing to talk about when you get to them in person. And so I feel like that's kind of that way with teens. So unless your kid has a very significant medical issue, severe drug addiction, you know, some identifying problem, because whenever I say this, there's always a parent that's like, well, my kid, that's fine. If your kid has a special circumstance, absolutely do what's right for your family. But I think the majority of kids absolutely do not need tracking. And I think it has a negative effect. I also think that that does backfire specifically. I'm thinking back to my own childhood and I felt like if limits were placed on me, I would tend to rebel because 
I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram eight. And one of the things that I hate is to be controlled or to feel controlled. So with my children, I try very hard to say, here are a couple of options you get to choose while I'm still kind of keeping those boundaries for them. And again, I don't have teenagers. I have no idea what this will look like (laughs) when I get to that point, but I definitely see why it would be beneficial is to not totally hover over them in this area because it does backfire. And also with teens, they just go underground. Mm. They just stop telling us things. They lie. They're very smart. So they can put their phone somewhere and go somewhere else. You know, there's just all kinds of ways of getting around it. And um, it's just not worth it unless you have a very specific reason you need it. Definitely. I've talked about cell phone safety before, but I want to go into more depth in regards to, okay, we can try and prevent, but what happens after the fact? So what happens when your child makes a digital mistake? What are some tips that you have here? Because it's bound to happen to any of us that let our children have phones. Yeah. So the thing is, it's happening to parents whose kids don't even have a phone because Mm. the kid on the bus next to them has a phone or their neighbor has a phone or their older sibling has a phone or they have an iPad. It's just actually impossible to completely shield kids from, you know, getting access to things that we would rather them not see. So I think it's important first to accept that mistakes are going to happen and put that in the dialogue with her kids and be like, I make mistakes on my phone sometimes and I learn from them. I would just hope that we could work through things. So the first thing is that parents cannot freak out when their kids make a mistake, you know, especially a big mistake. Like I get a lot of calls. My kid accidentally saw porn. Um, My kid accidentally ordered something. And our first reaction is to, to be very upset, very angry. But what that immediately does is tell our kids, this is not a safe person to tell when I've made a mistake, you know? So that's not going to improve the future of continuing with this dialogue. So. First thing is to like, let your kids know that mistakes will happen. Like, here's your phone. You will make a mistake. So therefore, when you do, it's okay to come to me. I promise on my part to remain calm, to really listen to what happened and to help you solve a problem. And again, our kids will go underground. We will not even know about mistakes. If we overreact, they will not talk about it with anyone. And sometimes there are actually severe consequences. I know of teens that have gotten caught in scams. They've lost thousands of dollars and they were afraid to tell their parents. So it is truly important. It happens to adults. It happens to kids to like set the stage for a comfort zone. And then when they do make a mistake, you know, work through it with them and you can learn in the process, come to it with an open mind of, you don't know everything either. We don't. Um, so then that really like helps kids feel comfortable and then you can work through the problem. I'm sure there's someone listening that that seems great. And they wish they would have cultivated that type of dynamic with their child. But at this point they feel like it's kind of far gone. And so I'm thinking a way that they could give their child the access to someone that wouldn't judge would be to go to an aunt or some, like have someone else in your life. Like, Hey, I don't know. I'm just trying to be realistic because I can foresee that happening, but Hey, I know aunt grace is, she is someone that loves you will not judge you, go to them. Mommy also, or I guess you don't say mommy with your 16 year old (laughs) mom won't (laughs) judge you either. But if you feel more safe going to this person and then fill in the blank. Yeah. I mean, I just want to say it is never too late to make a change as a parent. Like you could have made mistakes. You could have set up the wrong scenario. I say this all the time with parents whose kids are charging their phones in their rooms. Like it is never too late to say, you know what? We're not doing things in a way I'd like we're going to change it. And 
it is very empowering to our children when we say, you know what, I think I overreacted or I think I um, set up a system that I don't like in the way we communicate about your phone. And I'm sorry about that. I should not have done that. Here's what I think we could do in the future. What do you think? Have an open dialogue. And then you really change the dynamic. So I'm 100% for creating a safe space with other adults. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes even it's like if your favorite aunt, you love them so much and they love you so much. Do you really want your favorite aunt knowing you looked at porn? That might be just impossible. Um, so they may be more likely to come to you or a sibling or, or teacher. So for sure, tell them, like, if you can't talk to me, talk to someone else. But I think parents can um, can change the way they act. And that very much changes the way the children act around this. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So one of the things you say is maybe not buy a dumb phone, which also seems counterintuitive to what I would think that I would do. But yeah, what is your method behind that? Or what is your mindset behind that? The common way of thinking is, you know, to wait until our kids are 13, 14, and ready for the responsibility of a smartphone. The problem is, as I've said earlier, they already have access. They're Mm. really everything they can do on a phone, they are doing on iPads, their friends are doing on their phones. And so you actually miss the opportunity to start the education when they're having an introduction to a smartphone. Even one-year-olds are using iPads and smartphones. So, um, you know, they are having access. So I think in a way it's better at 10, 11, there are some smartphones that um, you can slowly roll out um, extra responsible options um, for your kids. So it doesn't have to be an all or nothing kind of proposition. Um, maybe they start with one, you know, app that's very simple and, you know, is very safe for young children. Um, maybe they just text a small number of people. Um, they only have a few phone numbers in there. They only have limited access to it during the day. There's only certain times they can use it. You know, there's ways of setting it up so that they don't have like a full computer with them at all times at 10. But I think at 10, 11, they're very willing to listen to their parents and to be educated and to work and to grow. 13, 14 year olds, a lot less so. So you really miss that window. So I really think a 10, 11 year old, unless the child is very irresponsible, has significant learning disabilities that prevent them from being able to, you know, use this kind of device. Um, But I think for the majority of kids, that's a great time to introduce a limited smartphone. For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand. And that's why I was excited to partner with HomeThreads. HomeThreads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a curated collection of sleek and functional furniture that speaks to the heart of minimalist living, from multifunctional storage to timeless design. They have everything you need to create a clutter-free and serene space for your family. As most of you know, we've recently moved, and I'm not someone to just fill up a room so that it's done and decorated. I wanted to do this with intention, and so I searched out accent chairs on home threads and found the perfect mid-century modern chair that really complements my space. So embrace the beauty of less and elevate your home with purposeful pieces. Visit homethreads.com minimalist and get a code for 15% off your first order. Home threads, love where you live. If you're planning to cut back on alcohol this dry January, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. 
Recess has meticulously crafted familiar favorites such as lime margarita and grapefruit paloma, allowing you to savor the flavors and experience of these cocktails without the alcohol content. Throughout January, my listeners can take advantage of a special offer and get 15% off the Recess Mocktail Sampler Pack at takearecess.com minimalist. Every can of Recess boasts a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients and a calorie count of 25 or less. It's a guilt-free option for winding down during dry January. Again, whether it's the end of a demanding day, a dinner gathering, or simply a moment to unwind, these mocktails are the perfect choice. You won't miss the alcohol, and you certainly won't miss dealing with a hangover. Get 15% off Recess mocktails now at takearecess.com minimalist so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. All right, so I want to talk a little bit more about the missteps that we may do as parents or implement. And like you said, we can, we can take it back and we can set ourselves back on the right path. We absolutely have control of our homes. And I think that when we feel out of control, we have the capability to bring it back and to recenter and to readdress things. And I think this is hard for me to do, but humbling yourself, especially around your kids, even if they don't react in the way that you expect them to right then and there, just keep planting those seeds and you can do it. So what are some things that you would say are missteps that we could correct and how do we do that? So the, by far the number one re- misstep of all time is allowing kids to charge their phones in their room, their phones, computers, iPads, um, because we know that they're not just letting them be, you know, a, probably 30% are sleeping with their phones. Um, research shows, I think that's outdated. I think more, I mean, sleeping with them on their pillows, somewhere between 70 and 80% have them in their rooms, um, but about 30% on their pillow. And they're beeping all night long. The kids are getting very interrupted sleep, interrupted sleep and not enough sleep. We know from like tons and tons of research um, is making our kids anxious, depressed, um, lower ability to do school, lower ability to cope with things. So like the lack of sleep alone, forget about whatever they're doing on their phone has very significant consequences. The other thing is absolutely nothing good is happening on that kid's phone at one, two, three in the morning. Not one good thing. Um, And they lose their inhibitions in the nighttime when parents aren't around. So a more riskier behavior happens. So it is very, very important. Parents will hear like from their kids, it's my alarm clock. It's no big deal. I promise I won't touch it. I promise they might not touch it at 11 or 12 or 13, but at 16, they're by absolutely on their phones all night long. So that is the number one rule. And that is something that parents can dial back and make it a non-negotiable at any time and just change the way we do things. And I recommend this for parents too. Um, I think our our sleep is very negatively affected by having our phones next to us Um, also. um, Some other missteps are that parents do a concerted effort when the kid gets their phone to do some sort of education, to do maybe a phone contract. And then very quickly that kind of goes away and they don't think of digital education as a lifetime ongoing conversation they should have with their kids. And this is very, very important because not only if they were thoroughly educated, which rarely happens, but also things change. There are new scams that happen. Um, I use what's happening in the news all the time. So like, you know, someone was arrested for sharing a nude picture or um, a young girl was arrested because she encouraged through texting for her boyfriend to um, hurt himself and kill himself. And he did. So these are 
very important, very real topics. It's not theoretical. So I think that's a big mistake parents make is not thinking about um, continuing education with their with their um, with their kids. And the last big mistake we talked about is you know freaking out when mistakes happen. Do you have an age that you think a child needs, I'm putting that in quotes, a phone, or that you would say, this is when you can introduce the phone? I really think it depends on the child, on the family situation. Some 11-year-olds are home alone um, for some period of time. Some parents don't have a home phone. That kid absolutely needs a cell phone. Some kids are walking to and from school. Mm-hmm. That would be helpful. Um, sometimes there are divorced families, um, and it's very convenient for the divorced parent to um, have their kid have access to a phone. Um, so there are a lot of good reasons why a child should have a phone. And if they are showing responsibility, maturity, and interest, uh, they have shown um, that they have been careful on a computer and iPad. They have respected rules in the past. You know, those are all good signs. Um, but if your kid is impossible to get off their iPad, I might not rush to get them a smartphone because that's just adding to it. Um, but you know, it, I think it depends on every individual family, honestly, and what the needs are and what the responsibility level is of the kid. I want to end on a positive note. I want to know if you have just one practical tip you can give us to encourage our children to feel empowered with this technology. How can they make good decisions with the information that we've given them? I'm going to say this, but I think it's hard. But I think it's important is that we as parents need to be good role models with our digital devices. And I I think that these devices are built to create a connection, to create an attack, like an attachment there. You know, these developers are very, very smart. There are dings, there are notifications, there are likes and shares and all these things that um, make us want to pick up our phone and be attached to them. And I think our kids are watching us. So I think if we can, even establish just some basic rules about how we manage our own technology, whether it's like putting it down at mealtime or not scrolling when our kid's at the playground or do that. If that's that's something you need, do that. But I'm just saying our kids are watching us and then they will mimic our digital behavior. And so if you can just think about how you're using your devices, most of us would prefer to use it less anyway, um, and be a little bit more mindful about the way we're using our devices, at least in front of our children. And um, I think that's a great way to go. Great advice. Well, Catherine, where can listeners find you and connect with you if they want to do so? Uh, so my website is thefamilycoach.com and I am the family coach on uh, Twitter and Facebook and the family coach says on Instagram. Okay. And then you wrote your book. So what was your book called? Um, so the book is called uh, first phone, a child's guide to digital responsibility, safety, and etiquette. And it's available uh, wherever books are sold. Awesome. Well, I don't think I prompted you with this, but every guest that comes on the Minimalist Moms podcast, I asked two questions to end. They're just very quick answers. My first one is, what is a resource that has been beneficial to your life that you'd like to share? I'll say a book is called Siblings Without Rivalry. Okay. Uh, it's just a genius book about, For I recommend it to every parent who has more than one kid. Um, I think as parents, we do a lot of things that we're trying to bring our kids closer together and inadvertently it does the opposite. And so I personally learned so much from that book and I recommend it to everyone. I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. So I will have to do that. I especially feel like that'll be good. My sons are pretty close in age and 
I need some of that advice in that book, I'm sure. Uh, lastly, what is something that you can't stop talking about? Well, I'll go with what's latest. Um, I've been working on a story about tide pools um, and I live not too far from the beach. And so I went to recently eight tide pools and I'm obsessed with the sea life you can see at tide pools. So like I'm constantly showing people pictures and I'm sure people are glazing over at this point, but like tide pools, go see them. They're amazing. Where are you in the world? I'm in Southern California. Okay, cool. Yes. I've had the opportunity to visit tide pools before, but I've never taken my kids. And I just feel like you could spend hours there. You never know what you're going to find at the same beach. You could go back to, it's going to be totally different. I mean, you could see anything from just like a muscle to a starfish to an octopus. It's, it's exciting. Yeah. Really, really cool. Well, Catherine, this was awesome. I absolutely think you gave us some practical tips that we can think through. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. What did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.